Every time I, I, I read this gospel, I am intrigued by one sentence that says, uh, whoever gives a cup of cold water will not go without their reward. And my question is, does it really have to be cold? Especially if you're coming from the, the Mideast, there's not a whole lot of refrigeration going on at the time of Jesus, so where are you going to find a cup of cold water? That, that intrigues me, but it doesn't anywhere near as perplex me with the rest of the gospel, or at least the beginning of the rest of the gospel. You know, we're, we're continuing along now with what, what is called the Mathean Discourse on Mission. Uh, Jesus is calling last Sunday, we call all of his, his disciples by name. Uh, before our mother's womb, we were called by name. And, and then he gave them the instructions. And today he's going to say, well, there's the cost of discipleship. And here's what you can expect as a disciple, as one of my followers. Last Sunday he told us not to worry about a thing that we are worth more than many sparrows, and the hairs of our head are counted. We're okay, but today he's going to say there's going to be a cost, and here's what perplexes me. And if I can't get through this, I'm going to have a real hard time getting through everything else that he is, is demanding of me and promising to me and to you as well. And here's what he says. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, now at face value, this is, this is one hard pill to swallow. Who does he think he is? God? That's the question. Most parents that I know love their children without any condition. There is something in our DNA that when we give birth, when a mother sees a child coming from her very body, when a father first holds and fondles his child, there is a love that just is unspeakable. Uh, the greatest sadness in the world, the hardest funerals I'd ever celebrate are the funerals of, of parents who outlive their children. It's against nature still. Any parent that I know will take a bullet for their children, stand in front of a bus to save their kids, whatever it takes they will do. It is called love without condition. And yet we are told that if we love them more than me, you may not be worthy of me. Who is this me. It's, it's a real sticking point. And we need to get through that because I think once we break through this, then the dam will open. And the rest of what we need to do, we will find that we will have the, the power to do it. Uh, he must, he says, come before everything else. The trouble is, who wants to follow someone who is an egomaniac? And who wants to follow Kim Jong-un, who says, love me first, I have the power, or the narcissistic politicians who tell us, it's all about me. We've seen that game before, we don't know if we want to play that game. And if he's just another Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, this is an insane demand. But our, but our faith tells us he's not. 
And St. Paul tells us he's not. What is his form? What is the form of this carpenter from Nazareth, this man who says, love me first? Well, Paul says it really clearly. Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. He poured himself out like a libation. What does it mean to pour yourself out for someone else? It means to love. It means to love. The love of the Trinity in say, in itself, the tr love of the Trinity is total self-giving, withholding out withholding nothing back. And the Father gives everything to the Son. The Son gives everything back to the Father. And the Father and the Son, by the giving, mutually giving, now engender this incredible spirit of love and the bond of love. And we are now, in, we are now invited to enter into that dance because love has to what? It always overflows. And this love overflows into all of creation and overflows in a very special way into humankind. And, and we can only love insofar as we have been loved. And one of the things I think we need to understand as deeply as we possibly can is that, that the deepest love that we have in our hearts and in our soul is a divine love. God does not have love. God is love. God is love. And so there's no competition between ourself and God. We do not love perfectly back. We do not perfectly mirror God back. We have fallen. We play all the games. We get caught in the outer world. There is this great, but there is this great depth of the divine DNA that dwells in each and every one of us. And insofar as we touch that, well, then we can't love our children too much because we're loving with the divine love. We can't love our planet too much. We cannot love creation too much. We cannot love the animals too much. We cannot love uh, the solidarity with all that God has created too much. There's no competition whatsoever. And once that dam breaks, then everything else flows. Because the next sentence he says, unless, unless you... Uh, pick up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. Well, if I have that same kind of self-emptying love that he has, and he has shown us and modeled for us how it's done, then, then we can do it. We can do it. We have the power. The wonderful thing is that we don't have to do it on our own. All we need to do is be a conduit of something that's already in us. That's it. All, all the good that is inside of us is divine. And when we speak, we speak with divine power and utterance. And, and so we are willing to make that sacrifice. We are going to pick up our cross. We are in a fallen world. The world is still not finished, fully, rede fully redeemed. Oh, the redemption was once and for all, but we are still doing up that mop-up for the last 2,000 years. And I think we're making progress. I think we are. It's really hard to see. Oh, but from time to time we get glimpses of the fact that we are able to do what he did. Why? We're his disciples. He's called us by name. From our mother's womb he's pronounced our name and he said, come, follow me. And we will follow him and that means we will follow him in and through the cross. And of course that's always paradoxical. 
And we begin to receive the, the paradoxes. Uh, the, if you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to live, you first have to lose. Oh, the one who finds their life, he says, is going to lose it. The more you cling and you hold on to all of the external things of the world, the more they are going to be fading and forming and passing away. But we know that there is something much deeper that does not, that does not pass away. And insofar as we don't have to cling, hold on to our name, our reputation, our power, our money, whatever it may be, whatever the things that are on the outside world may be, there is something on the inside that is worth so much more. And as long as we don't cling to the out, then the inner can take over. And what do we find? We find that we are in the deepest communion with the source of life. In the deepest communion, and with that we can do anything. Now, once we are in Christ, of course, Paul's code word for that was en Christo. I live and move and have my being in Christ. Christ is in me. I am in Christ now. Oh, do whatever you want. It's going to be just fine. He goes on to say it this way. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is this wonderful water wheel of love where we cannot make a mistake. If we do it in love, we cannot make a mistake. We may say the wrong thing, but God writes straight with crooked lines as long as we are in communion with the source, whatever we say, whatever we do. And what I, what I want us to hear, if we hear nothing else today, we have power, divine power. This is an empowerment homily. This is not my homily. This is the empowerment that the Christ gives his disciples. It is ours by our nature. It is made manifest by our baptism so that now what he did, we can do. We continue the work of redemption. Whatever is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, Paul says, we're going to take that cross. We're going to make it right. It's our holy work. It's our holy duty. Oh, but it's our greatest joy. It's our greatest joy. What does it look like concretely? You know, whoever receives a prophet, whoever receives one who, is, who, who we recognize has the same thing in them that we have in us, receives the prophet's reward. And today we see that clearly in the first reading of, 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 of Elisha, the prophet, who's wandering around in the desert, and the woman of influence invites her to his place. And, and what does... Uh, what does he give, he give, she gives him housing. He gives him hospitality. And of course, radical hospitality is this wonderful Middle Eastern, more than tradition. It's a way of life. My fear is we are closing in on ourselves so radically ourselves right now that we are forgetting what it means to be radically hospitable. Hospitable in hospitality says there is room at the table for everyone. Everyone is invited to the table. And of course, what does the prophet give back? The prophet can only give back what's in the prophet's purse. Jesus can only give what is in Jesus' purse. What does he give? Oh, this time next year, you're going to be fondling one who's got a voice that's going to pierce glass. <laughs> oh, what a joy to hear that sound. 
You're going to be, all he's got to give is life. The one who receives the prophet receives the prophet's reward. What is it? Life. The one who receives the righteous one's reward. What's the righteous one? The righteous one who is in right relationship with the divine source. What's the right, what can they give? They can only give what they got. The Kayim, life. We are the life givers. We are called to be the life givers. What does this bring us back to? It brings us back to our cup of cold water. And our original question, does it need to be cold? No. But it needs to be wet. We need to get wet. We need to drown in the mercy of God. Are you not aware that you who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? You have died to all the things that are passing away. You are now reborn into the fullness of life, eternal life. And it doesn't begin when we die. We know that. It begins right now. We are called to proclaim that eternal life everywhere we go, with everyone we see, with everything we do, with radical hospitality. You know, my daughter is from Vietnam, and she was a Vietnamese refugee after the war. And the last year and a half, right as soon as the Ukraine war began, she began taking in refugees, one after another after another. And I'm going, Tuan, how are you doing this? Because it is an incredible amount of work. She's, it's not work. It's not work. Well, 30, 60, 100 fold, Father, I am returned everything I pour out because all I'm pouring out is the radical hospitality of the merciful one, of God. Baptized into the death, coming out into the life. If we do not dare to believe how empowered we are, it is our birthright and our baptismal promise to do what the Christ did. And that's nothing less than the redemption of the world. It's going to take myriad forms, but we'll have a chance to do it, please God, today. Augustine puts it this way, love God and do what you will. Go, just do it.